Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jansen. My guest today is Greg Crabtree. He is a CPA and co-founder of Crabtree Row and Burger in Huntsville, Alabama. He's also the co-author of Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, The Four Keys to Unlock Your Business Potential. So, welcome, Craig. Or, I'm sorry, I said Craig. It's Greg. <laughs> but... Uh, Thanks, thanks for joining me today. And and actually, we're you know a lot of listeners in my show uh, don't we don't often wander into this financial stuff. So uh, ho- so hang on. But I, I think you guys are going to enjoy the fact that uh, uh, we're going to straight talk is uh, is definitely a, a key to what we're going to talk about. Well, one of the things I've always made a good living at is using small words to explain big numbers. So. <laughs> there you go. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, and again, I you know we. Should we start the CPA jokes right now, or? Um, <laughs> but but certainly there, as a profession, you know there are some some folks that maybe couldn't claim that. Um, well, you know we, we've uh, I think most of the CPAs have earned all the jokes that people have made about us, so uh, <laughs> we, we embrace them. So. Well, I, over the years, I have had some accounting firms as clients, and I, I will tell you, you know, the, you're some of the most lovable people. How's that? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So. Um, you know, anytime somebody has as a subtitle the four keys or the seven ways or the ten secrets, you know, I like to dive in first to, you know, what are those four keys. And, and we can talk a little bit about it. We can go into, you know, more depth on because I think they really, and again, this is what attracted me to to, to really want to have you on the show. Um, I think you nailed some things that, that nobody's talking about. And, and that, you know, first one, that first key, you know, this idea of net income versus salary or in, including salary. That's right. Well, you know, as we started looking at the process, I, you know, I, I have to eat my own cooking because the things I write about, I have to actually operate my business. So I didn't want to be a briefcase toting consultant, as I say. I wanted to run a business by the same principles that, that we help others do. And, and as I was training my staff to be consultants, the, the first thing I looked at is, well, what is it that I always go in and fix? And, and it really kind of jumped out at me when I started doing the writing of it is, you know, I always have to fix this concept of you get paid a salary for what you do and a return on what you own. And there's so much brain damage around the idea of trying to save some Social Security taxes and mm-hmm. Medicare taxes that we've let taxes become the tail that wags the dog. And and realistically, every we're, we're batting a thousand on this. Every time that we've gotten somebody to just forget the tax implications of things and focus on the true financial dynamics that they should run their business, they have made far more money. Um, you know, we, we've taken people from making 150 thousand a year to making 1.7 million dollars a year. And, and they just said, forget about the tax thing. Let's go make some money. Well, and, and that's we uh, you're, you're so anything. right about though, because I run into that too. I mean, you know. Yeah. I, People want to pay themselves thirty thousand dollars in salary and take a quarter million dollar distribution at the end of the year in order to, you know, not pay taxes somehow. Yeah, and 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 really, that's just small thinking. I mean, yeah. you know, nobody likes paying the taxes, and and that's a whole different discussion. But at the end of the day, the rules are what the rules are, and we, if we would take the energy that we spend trying to to cut down on taxes and actually focus on building wealth, right? Because you know, the, the the real key is you you haven't built true wealth until. Uh, you've actually written a big check to the IRS because if I didn't write a big check to the IRS, I, I either didn't make any money, you know, I may have pushed it out in the future, but I don't have it in my hands today, or I'm cheating, and and we think both of those things are bad. Well, and that's uh, you talk a lot about the great fallacy of going out and buying a fifty thousand dollars piece of equipment on December thirty first in order to you know save eighteen thousand dollars. 
yeah, we uh, we, we developed. We, uh, people call it the cash flow statement in our in our in profession, but we actually call it where did the cash go statement. <laughs> right, right. And and we have a client that uh, was the amusing uh, target of that that we would get to the end of the year and and you know we would tell him how much he he had made in in that income. And he said, no way, there's just no way I made that much money. <laughs> and so. Had to, and, and this guy, you know, would threaten to break your kneecap, you know, if uh, he had to write too big of a check to the IRS. So, so we had to say, okay, how do we communicate this? And so we came back and said, okay, here's the deal. Here's where you started with the cash. Here's how much you made net income. Now here's what you did with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just using plain English. And, and so many people in our profession get hung up on two big highfalutin technical terms. And it's like, hey, just if I can tell you where the cash went – I'll win the argument of telling you it's a whole lot better to make a profit and send some money to the IRS because I got more money in the end, and that's what counts. Right. Well, and, of course, how many business owners do you work with that you tell them well, you had a good year? Uh, you made $250,000 this year, and then they look in the bank and say, but I don't have any money. How is that possible? Well, one of the keys to that success, and we realized early on that if we were going to convince people of that, we had to be more active in the ongoing management of the cash of the business throughout the year so that they didn't accidentally take the cash from the profits of the business and utilize it for something else before we made sure that the taxes were paid. Oh, we got that tuition bill, though, that you don't know anything about, Greg. Well, now, that, that part of it is that's consumption. But unfortunately, I do have to have a few discussions about consumption. But, uh, but, but you know, what's interesting, I mean, I have broken down hundreds of businesses from Boston to Seattle. I mean, you know, one of the nice things, we may be in Huntsville, Alabama, but we actually have clients all over the country. And, and, and it's amazing. There's not, most of these people who are struggling, they're, they're actually not living too high on the hog. I mean, I, I, you know, one out of 20 is, is somebody I've got to really have a, a serious discussion about, you know, just overconsumption. Everybody else is really just lying to themselves about their real consumption, and their real consumption fits within what a real market wage ought to be for mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And if I can convince them to put that into the business and reset their targets, I mean, it is just mind-blowing in terms of they'll hit it. Mm-hmm. Because they're just aiming at the wrong target. Right. That's and, and so true. Got to do it. So let's talk about profit. I don't know that we've yeah. talked about that. And that's, you know, for for some businesses, that's an evil word. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, it's like oxygen for a business. Right. And so uh, last time I checked, physics takes over that if you spend more than you make, you know, you will cease to exist. Well, in the natural cycles of business, you know, you're going to have some good years, you're going to have some bad years. But as we started studying, you know, one of the neat things is I'm kind of just this curious person of why things work and why they don't. And, um, you know, so we started using our own client data and doing some research on it. And and we came to this really interesting, um, you know, uh, grouping of data that says that 5% or less pre-tax profit, you're on life support. You're just one bump in the road away from the extinction. 10% 10% you're a good business, 15% you're a great business. Anything above 15%, you got to take it while you can get it because the market forces you back between 10 and 15% profit. There's only a few rare outliers, uh, mostly in the technology world. But even those businesses, ultimately, you know, they have very short lifespans in terms of, of, of a business, and they, they, they shoot up, and then, you know, some new disruptive technology comes along and blows them away. Yeah. So... You know, so we think if you can focus on that 10 to 15% pre-tax profit, and if you can get more than that, great. Hey, you know, go at it. But you're going to find that that's, that is the predominant range that most businesses operate in. Over, over the years, I've worked with a, a handful, fortunately a small 
number of clients that just absolutely took off. I mean, their business just went through the roof, and six months later, they were out of business. Um, and I think it's this number three that sort of killed them all. You know, they, they started just hiring people like crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really kind of the thing is you got to look at it from the standpoint that uh, unfortunately you can be you can be growing and you can be profitable and it choose cash, and you know and and that's the thing that confuses people. But so and, and actually that's actually the fourth item with looking at the cash flow of things. But let's step back and the third item is really this idea as you said hiring people. And, and so the number one we said was um, you know the the you get a salary for what you do return on what you own second one is you got to have your right profit target this third one though is the key labor productivity i just had an email this morning from a client that said hey i'm about to add a hundred thousand dollar um uh sales guy how much do i need to set as a sales target for that person to maintain my level of profitability and so what we've developed is this concept of labor productivity uh, that we call a labor efficiency ratio, which essentially you look at gross profit per labor dollar. We don't think labor is a cost. We think good labor mm-hmm. is a lever. Mm-hmm. Now, bad labor is a boat anchor, <laughs> you know, but good labor is a lever. And so I want you to think about a dollar deployed of labor produces X amount of gross profit. And then we've got, since I've written the book, I even came out with a white paper that's on the website uh, for the book that is an expanded topic where we separate it between an overall labor efficiency ratio for the company and we actually separate it between your direct labor of your business engine with your management labor. So we've actually developed a way to hold your management labor accountable to labor productivity. And so they have to produce uh, against a contribution margin of what the production part of the business does. And so those are just keys that just help you manage things and say, hey, you know, now I can set a quantifiable measure. And so instead of this guy thinking he needed three times this guy's salary, it really is closer to seven in terms of what this guy has to sell. But he knows what the number is now. Yeah. Well, and and I assume that once people, you know, see this number, I mean, maybe they go about changing their their internal processes and their uh, investment in marketing, and, I mean, it leads to hopefully a lot of discoveries, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, because you think about it. If you walk into it, you're going to add a $100,000 salary, and you're thinking he just needs to sell 300000 to, to break even or to, to be profitable with it, and you realize it's really a 700000 instead, I mean, that's going to really change how you approach that. And, and, and it is this thing of setting the right targets is, is the key to getting that profitability because it's, humans are amazing. I mean, you know, yep. we're amazing creatures. <laughs> we, we'll hit what we aim at. Yeah, it's it's frightening in some cases. I I, I think that's you know that's the problem sometimes when people, um, you know, pick goals that are too small. Um, uh, uh, it just yeah, doesn't absolutely. cause them to do enough. Well, what's interesting is so in this same scenario, I didn't pick a goal that was impossible because I actually just used the existing rateable data of the business that they're currently in. Yeah, and and so I'm looking at hey, this isn't an impossible thing because you're already doing it with the business that you have today. Right. And so how are you going to argue against that? Yeah. You know, and and so it's like, well, if you did it once, you can do it again. Yeah. I mean, these people aren't, you know, you know, so unique that they don't exist. So, so this last element then, uh, or key, is um, business physics or cash flow. And it's interesting, um, probably 
I don't know, I guess I can say this 10 times in this podcast, but, but for me, one of the most misunderstood <laughs> uh, concepts, because I, I think a lot of people just look at it and say, well, cash flow is how much money I have today, how much money I have tomorrow. <laughs> and, and, and I think that you do a tremendous job in, in breaking down, you know, everything that goes into figuring out what cash flow actually is. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is also getting the right order, you know, in terms of priorities, and, and that really, and we the, the other key in it is we also defined a term that we think is unique, so in taking people through it, so remember, profitability is different than cash flow. Right. Now, number one is, now, if you want to if you want to improve cash flow, the number one thing you fix is profitability. Profitability has the biggest impact on cash flow than anything else you can do, but once you're profitable, now let's talk about cash flow. So if I've made profit, then the first thing I've got to deal with is the tax implications of that because the IRS is not a good creditor. <laughs> I mean, they don't play nicely, and you don't want them as a creditor. So set aside the money first. It's not yours. Uh, your accountant can tell you when to pay it in, but just get it out of your hands and set it aside in a bank account and then send it in when it's the right time. That's how we've won the argument to get people to go from paying $10,000 a year in taxes to half a million dollars a year in taxes and not and feeling good about it, you know. So that's you know because if, if you paid a half a million in tax, I can tell you where the other, uh, you know, probably a million and a half is that you have to keep. You know, so that's, that's a good thing. But, so but, you know, one of the things though that you know, I, I know that I can I can just hear business owners saying this. Well, you know, you talk about this idea of profit, but I mean, the, the if I can't pay my bills, you know, then then that's the most important aspect. All right, so so now that and, – and so one of the keys in that setting the tax aside, though, is we believe and, – and I'm amazed at how many people aren't utilizing this – is using cash basis for the tax uh, accounting. Cash basis is the best tax – is generally going to be the best one. There's only a few rare exceptions. And, and there's only a few rare exceptions that people aren't allowed to be cash basis. Uh, and so if you're not cash basis, talk to your tax advisor and say, why not? You know, tell me why not, you know, that that's not the case because in most cases it is available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, you should always have the cash to be able to pay the taxes if you haven't pulled it out of the business to consume it or you spend it on capital equipment that you should have not spent it on before you realize what your tax mm-hmm. implications are. So once you get past the, the setting aside the taxes, the next one is debt management. And this is the one that just really gets people is, you know, to repay debt, I can only repay debt with after-tax net profit. Mm-hmm. Now, and so if you think that you're going to borrow money and keep buying equipment and, and, and keeping your, your taxes at a zero, you're, you're sadly mistaken because you're going to build this mountain of debt. And you finally realize one day that I got to pay 40% in taxes, which is the average of the top federal rate of 35, and the average state rate's around five. You know, and and so um, so 40%, and I can only use 60% of my profits to repay that debt. And so the dumbest dumbest idea that people can do is go borrow money at the end of the year to buy a piece of equipment that they take a, 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 a depreciation write-off on, and, and then have the debt still left over that they got to pay off in future years. And and that just has killed so many business owners that they're equipment rich and, and profit poor. And you know, and you can't do that. And and buy a piece of equipment. I always ask, I always tell people, says it's amazing the last two weeks of the year. It says all right. So you've gone without this expenditure for fifty weeks out of a fifty two week year. Why all of a sudden is the magic last two weeks of the year you gotta go spend money? No. You only spend money on things at the end of the year that you've committed to already. I've already incurred the expense. It's just a matter of when I write the check. But other than that, don't pull expenses 
from the future into the present. I, you know, I, I just always tell folks, I said, the simplest thing is, is wait the longest possible moment to spend a dollar, and you'll spend less. It, it just generally works out that way. So let's um, let's jump to uh, we could we have used uh, almost the entire you know content of a show just on those keys, but there's uh, uh, the rest of the book I want to get into, or the rest of some of the ideas I want to get a little into, and uh, may, you know maybe I'll have to come back and, and do a whole other show on on the topic of of selling your business. But uh, sure. what uh, what 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 in your estimation are kind of the key things that companies ought to be tracking that you see so few of them doing well i mean certainly you ought to have a rhythm and we believe less data is more now i get it that you know we've, we've gotten to these elaborate dashboards and i see so many people coming to me that they have these sheets and sheets of data and they're just number blind mm-hmm. and there's really a handful of things you want to look at profitability you want to look at labor efficiency and if i can track the only thing i'm probably tracking daily is how much cash is in the bank and who paid me today I'm tracking weekly, you know, what were my sales activity for that week and maybe my labor efficiency for that week if I can track it. And then once a month, you know, I'm doing, you know, looking at my basic data of a monthly P&L, and we're huge, huge fans of rolling 12 data on your P&L. Um, I mean, it is just so huge. Um, and, and then the other key is separating. In the book, I go through a new P&L format that we believe is revolutionary in the sense that it focuses on you've got the business engine of the business, which is revenue minus your non-labor cost of goods sold is gross profit. Gross profit minus direct labor is contribution margin. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the business engine. And then everything else is the, the chassis of the business. And so you've got to match the engine with the chassis. And, and that's really what you're driving to is making sure that, you know, you're keeping, keeping everything in relation to each other. Um, and, and a lot of what you're talking about, some of the forms and, and sheets and things that you're talking about uh, can, be, uh, can be got at seeingbeyondnumbers.com. Is that right? Correct. Right. Yes. Talking to Greg Crabtree. is the co-founder of Crabtree Rowan Burger, and he is also the co-author of Simple Numbers. And so today's show is all about straight talk and big profits. So uh, let's end up on this. Uh, there, there's a topic uh, uh, that I think a lot of people struggle with, and, and I think it's way overdue that more people are talking about this, and this is this idea of forecasting over budgeting. Absolutely. We, we, uh, you know, I'll probably get kicked out, lose my CPA card on this, but I'm anti-budgeting. A budget is a license to spend and a forecast and a model is a license to make money. Spend a dollar when you can leverage it to make money. Don't spend a dollar when it doesn't get you anything in return. And I learned this from Jack Stack's company, Springfield Remanufacturing, you know, great books on open book mm-hmm. uh, yep. management, all those kind of things. But, but they, they are masters at reforecasting and teaching all of their non-accountant people how to constantly look forward and rethink, because I know more today than I knew a month ago. I know more today than I knew a year ago. And we believe that there's simple models to reforecast, and and we we show a few examples of the, those in the book. So, so Greg, beyond the book, are there? Do you teach this in 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 workshops? Um, do you have uh, as part of your organization? Do you do you actually go out go in and and look under the hood in organizations? Yeah, actually, you know, we're an active CPA firm, so uh, we do client work, and our focus is working with entrepreneurial businesses that are between startup and ten million. is really our favorite point of starting to work with somebody. We'll we'll work with them as big as they want to be, but we love that that emerging space. But uh, I do teach uh, workshop sessions uh, on this through the entrepreneurs organization and anybody else who you know contacts me, you know, through the network of people that has heard heard me uh, talk on this and. Uh, 
and we're continuing. You know, it's a little tough when you have a day job to continue to <laughs> add content to the website. I've got a few people still waiting for me to, to upload, you know, some of the, the stuff that I promised in the book. But we're working on constantly just showing examples, you know, of those things for the people that you know really kind of want to do it themselves. And so uh, we're, we're open to any of those. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Really, uh, for any particularly anybody who finds themselves a little accounting or, or numbers phobic, this is probably the only book you need to read. Um, uh, on, and that doesn't mean you don't need to hire a CPA and, and and do tax management and all those kinds of things. But in terms of actually understanding and teaching this inside your organization, absolutely a dynamite book. You know, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for all the help, and uh, love your side as well. So. All right. Thanks so much, and we will um, hopefully we'll bump into each other out there uh, helping some small business owners. Absolutely.